Amen. Well, last weekend, uh, for those that were able to show up, uh, we uh, we talked about uh, a message. I preached a message entitled, Is It Really Your Business? Some things are not our business, but what we talked about last weekend is your business. And in Mark chapter one, in verse uh, in Mark chapter one, uh, in, in verse 17, we see that Jesus or a couple of verses ahead of 17, Jesus called Simon and Andrew to become his disciples. And when he called them to be his disciples, he revealed to them right away what was his intention for calling them. You know, you ever wondered like, you know, sometimes we come to the Lord because we have a motive or an intention uh, from the Lord. But the Lord calls us with an intention and a motive. And this is what it is. In Mark 1.17, Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and they followed him. Now, as you can tell, Jesus had very clear intentions for calling Simon and Andrew to be his disciples. And he, he, wasn't, he wasn't hesitant in telling them what his intentions were. In fact, he told them right away, he said, come and follow me. And they were fishermen. They're, they're by trade, they were fishermen. And he said, drop your nets, leave your nets behind. Come and follow me and I will make you become fishers of what? Of men. And so, you know, fishers of men. The, how many of you know the Lord's primary goal for not only the disciples, but for us, is for us to become fishers of men. He wants us to become uh, his hands and his feet. He wants us to be his ambassador. And he wants us to help introduce other people to Jesus. Amen? How many of you believe that this morning? Now, although uh, that's the motive or the intention of the Lord, most of us don't feel like we're capable of doing that. Most of us don't feel like we speak good enough or we talk good enough or we're skilled or, you know, we haven't been to Bible college. And, and like Moses, we could give the Lord a list of reasons of why we can't do that. But how many of you know, none of that, none of that is a good enough excuse because the Lord said, if you follow me, I will make you become fishers of men. In other words, I will teach you. I will train you. I will show you how to do it. How many of you know the Lord can do that? The Lord can do that. And so the very first thing we need to we need to talk about is that, listen, we look at ourselves as like, do I have what it takes to be a fisher of men? And the Lord says, you're looking at the wrong place. Don't look at yourself. Look at me. Because I can use anybody because I'm God. Amen. Now, last week we talked about if you're going to be a soul winner, you have to have some qualities about you. We talked about four last weekend. Soul winners are aware, which means they're always aware of the fact that wherever they go, there's lost people around them. There's lost people that need the Lord. Not everybody is born a Christian. They need to have a born again experience, the Bible says. The second thing we talked about is that soul winners are wise. They're very wise and they're very creative in the way that they reach out to people. And you remember we talked about the story about the four men that carried their friend to, to Jesus's, uh, his meeting that he was having in the house and the house was full and they opened the door and they couldn't get him in. He was on a stretcher. And so they didn't just give up and go home. They got creative. They got on top of the house, pulled the shingles off the roof and they let him down through the roof right where Jesus was. How many of you know that's creativity right there? Amen. He who wins souls is wise. Number three, soul winners understand the value of relational influence. 
They understand that building relationships is the most important part of trying to reach somebody for Christ. Some people think that they need to just try to get the Bible down their throat. But how many of you know, most people don't like that, that methodology. You got to build a relationship before you can reach somebody for Christ. Amen. So soul winners use what, what we call the invest and the invite method. The invest and the invite method is this. You invest time into building relationships with people, and then you invite them into a spiritual experience where they can encounter Jesus. That's what happened to me. Uh, the, my brother invested a relationship with me, and he built, he built a, a relationship where I respected him, I loved him, and then he invited me into a spiritual experience, and I got to know Jesus Christ. And I'll be for, eternally grateful for that. Come on, how many of you have had that experience and are grateful for that this morning? And number four, soul winners have faith. In other words, they have faith in the ability of the Spirit and the power of the gospel to draw people to Christ. They have the faith that the Lord will use them. They have faith that the Lord will use them to reach other people. You know, the Lord don't need us to reach people. How many of you know that? He can just like, you know, like he's doing in the Middle East and around the world. In some villages where, where nobody is going to preach the gospel, everybody's having the same dream in the same night. They come out of their huts and they say, I had this dream. And they don't know what in the world, but they encounter Jesus. How many of you know he could do that? But he said, you are the light. You are the salt. The Lord wants to use us. We are his methodology. We are his plan. Amen. And he doesn't have a plan B. He wants to use us. And so we have to have faith that God will use us. Now, we talked about last week three ways that we can exercise our faith in soul winning. And the first one is this, be, being intentional about reaching the lost in your life. Now, when you got here this morning, you should have got a card like this. And if you didn't, uh, just, uh, just on your way out, we'll have some on the back table there in the lobby. I encourage you to grab one. But, you know, in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, Jesus said, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to be my testimony. You're going to be, you're going to be the story that people are going to hear in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the utmost parts of the earth. And in this, in this little handout you got, there's three circles there. And the first one, uh, Jerusalem means your friends and your, those right close by you. And so how many of you have friends and family members that are not Christian yet that need to be Christian? Let me see your hand. If you don't have any, just let me know. I have some extra to spare, right? But everybody does, isn't that right? But I encourage you to think about it and write their names in that circle. And so that you can see their names and you can begin to just think about that. And then the next circle is, uh, you know, Judea and Samaria, which means a little bit further than your friends and family. And those are maybe co-workers and neighbors. And maybe you have a neighbor that, that maybe you've been talking to, you've been building a relationship, or maybe that's just quiet or a co-worker that nobody really pays attention to. But the Lord is saying, I want you to pay attention to them. And maybe you just need to write down their names right there so that you can just start thinking about, can I reach them for Christ? And then the third circle is to the utmost parts. And it says there, someone you don't know. Now you write down the name of somebody you don't know. I don't know how you're going to do that, but you know, but you know, the idea there is this somebody that you don't know yet, but that you can encounter maybe this week. Maybe it's going to be a divine appointment. 
And you're going to walk into some establishment and God's going to give you an open door of conversation and that they are going to help you lead that conversation towards spiritual things. And you're going to walk out of that building saying, now the Lord set that up. Maybe the Lord will have you pray for that person. Amen. Are y'all still following me? So that's one way. So the first way is that uh, you're being intentional about reaching a loss in your life. So what if we just write some names in every one of those circles and we begin thinking about that? Amen. Now, the second thing that we, the way we can exercise our faith is we can begin praying and fasting specifically for those people we want to win. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4.4, it's the God of this world that blinds the minds of the unbelieving. And so you got to pray for them. You see, sometimes when we just try to reach people and they don't respond, we say, oh, they're hard-headed or, you know, whatever, you know, are they just stubborn or whatever. No, the God of this world is blind to their mind. So what if we start praying for them and asking the Lord to, to pull the scales off of their eyes and take the blinders off their mind where all of a sudden they see the need for God where they didn't before? What do you think about that? Amen. You see, so this week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we're going to have three days of prayer and fasting, 6 a.m., 12 noon, 6.30 p.m. And the reason for us to have the three days of prayer and fasting is we're going to pray for God's blessing over the entire congregation, every family represented here. But we're going to pray for God's anointing to be here next Sunday, Easter Sunday, and that whoever comes here, that God will touch their heart, whether they raise their hand and say, I want to be saved or not. We're going to pray that God is going to just reveal himself to them and their eternity is going to be changed. Amen. I encourage you to come out, bring your card with you. We're going to pray for lost people. Amen. And then the third thing, the third way you can exercise your faith in soul winning is in investing uh, relationally and invite somebody to a spiritual experience like Easter Sunday. You see, invest, invite. The idea is there. You invite, you invest in a relationship and then you invite them. You know, you, if you go to a stranger, you know, every once in a while you might invite a stranger and say, come to church with me, and they'll look at you kind of cocked, you know? Like, who are you? Where are you from? And do you all have snakes at your church? <laughs> they don't know you. They don't know what you're inviting them to. But if you've built a relationship and they know who you are, and by the way, they respect who you are, and then you invite them, they might just come. Amen? Sometimes we, we just want to get the cart before the horse. Sometimes we just need to invest and then invite. And so, you know, last weekend we gave everybody uh, an invite card. If you didn't get one, I encourage you on your way out on the table there, there's some invite cards. And it's just a, it's just a card to invite somebody and say, hey, why don't you come to Easter service? In fact, I told those that were here last weekend that I had somebody in mind at the gym that I wanted to invite. And you know what I did? I, I, I invited him this week. And, you know, I said, do you have a church? Not really. Are you going to be in town? Yep. Are you working? Nope. I said, man, you need to come to church. Okay, where's it at? And so I'm excited about that. Amen. How many of you know I'm going to be praying for that guy? Amen. I'm going to pray that he gets, he gets saved Sunday morning. Amen. But how about we just, we just extend our, our, an invite and just invite somebody to a spiritual experience. Amen. How many of you think that's a good idea? But now here, here's another idea. You can utilize your influence on social media. I mean, people are using that stuff for the wrong reasons. I, I think God wants to redeem everything, including Facebook. <laughs> Amen. Come on. Instagram, Insta story, and all that other Insta stuff. 
right? But you know, what about you just, if you have it already, just like us on Facebook, we have a graphic up there. You can just share that graphic with all your peeps on Facebook. And it's amazing. In, in just a minute, you can invite thousands of people. And they might not, they might or might not show up, but they're going to know what you're about. Amen. And now, come on, you're going to come out of the closet. How many of you know that's a good thing right there? Amen. And so I encourage you, go to our page, like us, and share that Easter. Or you can screenshot it and text it to somebody or use that other stuff. Amen. How many of you know there's power? Doug, do we have that video ready to go? There's, how many of you know there's power in an invite? Let me see your hands. There's power in an invite. 87% of people say they would actually come to church if they were just invited to come to church. In fact, that happened to me a couple days ago. Somebody had been known for a long time, and I said, hey, in fact, they, their job just changed where they're, they used to work at night. Now they work working during the day. I said, hey, we're having a special Easter service uh, on, on next Sunday for Easter. Would you come to church and bring your family? And he stopped, and he looked back at me, and he said, sure, we would like to come. Oh, man. So winning. The power of an invite. Here's just a couple of testimonies of how a life can change with the power of an invite. About eight years ago, um, I moved to Lafayette from Homa. And I went to UL and met my best friend today, Aaron. And um, him and I would hang out a lot at his house, and his mom's name is, is Miss Belay. And she would always just mention Family Life Church. She would always mention how she loved her church. And she would always just slip in an invite every now and then, you know, just, hey, you know, would you like to come to church with me? Or, hey, you know, we have church at such and such a time. Or, And to be honest, I, I didn't really believe in God. And so um, I was nice, you know, when she would invite me, I would just, you know, hey, thank you, Miss Belay. I appreciate the invite. Uh, but I, I never gave it more than that that thought. And then one day, uh, hard times started to just come into my life, and not just with school, but uh, but in my personal life. And and um, I got into a place. It was late one night, around three o'clock in the morning. And I remember sitting in my room and uh, praying for the first time in a long time. And I remember just saying, God, uh, if if you're real, there's no way that you made me to have to live like this. There's no way that you made me to live this type of life. And and if you're real, then you'll provide a way for me to get out of this lifestyle. The next day I woke up and just thought about Family Life Church. And I just thought about Miss Belay mentioning family life and mentioning um, God and what God does in her life. And um, I ended up coming to Family Life Church because of that. And fast forward seven years, you know, now I'm on staff here um, at Family Life Church and, and God really changed my life. And it started through an invite. In the fall of 2005, I was going through a divorce. It was a very difficult time for me. At the time, I was working for Tesh Electric Supply, and there was a lady by the name of Karen Prejean that worked with me. Karen was one of those people that would come to work every day just bubbly and excited and just always real positive. And she encouraged me so much during this time. She'd come at my desk and just give me little words that just made me feel good during the day. During that time, she, she repeatedly invited me to church. It wasn't something I was open to, 
One day she invited me and I felt like going. So I came and I enjoyed the music. I sat towards the back, of course, like most people do. And as soon as service was over, I left the building. And um, Karen and I remained friends over the years. She um, came down with ALS nine years ago and she continued to minister to me during that time. Uh, Karen became ill and she um, ended up in the hospital. We thought it was just routine. The whole staff was praying for her. But later on during the week, it got worse and she ended up passing away. And I remember when I looked on Facebook and I saw it, I thought, oh my gosh, this is the person that got me here. This is the person, the reason I am where I am today because of an invitation to church. And I sat there just reflecting on like the last nine years of being here and how much it meant to me. So I was thinking about it. I remember a sermon Pastor Todd did one Sunday about legacy. And I thought, I am part of Karen's legacy. She took a moment out of her time to invite me here. And because of that, I am where I am today. And I'm so blessed because of it. Amen. Now these are two just faces in the crowd and nobody knows their story. Nobody knows why they're here, but somebody took the time to reach out to them and invited them. And some of you, many of you know who Karen was, but you know, she, she lost her battle with ALS, but her life still speaks. Amen. How many of you, how many of you are grateful for Miss Belay that reached out to Pastor Brady? Amen. Isn't that great? Miss Belay now lives in Arkansas, but she, her legacy is going to live on beyond her. Amen. So the power of an invite, you know, um, uh, you can invite a family member, a friend or somebody just even in a, in a church context and the Lord can reach them right there and change their life. And so how many of you think that God could use you to just reach a soul? Amen. Uh, you know, I think the enemy would try to rob us of our confidence that we can be a soul winner. We can be a fisher of men. Amen. But you know what? Jesus said, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. The Lord wants to teach us. He wants to train us. So I want to stay in that vein for the rest of the time this morning. And I want to talk to you about Three ways you can increase the chances of catching fish. Three ways you can increase your chances or your odds of catching fish. How many of you know just because you go fishing don't mean you're going to catch fish? Come on, that was way too good of an amen right there. So to way too many people had dead end trips, right? Amen. I'm with you all the way right there. I'm the guy that got there the day. I should have been there the day earlier or the day later, right? They catch fish on the day I wasn't there. Amen. I just need to get right with God, I think. I'm not sure. But number one, a way that you can increase your odds of catching fish is you have to get in the habit of continually fishing. You got to get, you know, I'm, I'm not the greatest fisherman, but I know this. I've learned this, that I'll never catch fish if I don't go fishing. Now that's deep theology right there. It might be over your head, but just think about it for a moment. 
I can't catch fish unless I go fishing. You know what else I learned? You can't catch fish unless you throw a line in the water. Come on, as long as your line is in the boat, you ain't going to catch any fish unless miraculously a fish jumps in your boat. That could happen. But the fact is, the more you fish, the more your chances of catching a fish. Isn't that true? You've got to get in the habit of fishing. And so if you want to increase the odds of fishing, Jesus said in Mark 16, 15, he told them, you are to go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone everywhere. You are to preach the good news to everyone everywhere. What is this verse telling us? Everywhere we go, we should be thinking about reaching someone for Christ. See, whenever you go shopping, ladies, when you go grocery shopping, whenever you see people in the supermarket, you should be thinking souls. See, whenever, guys, whenever you get up and go to work on on Monday morning and you, when you get to that office, you should be thinking souls. Those of you that have hobbies and, and, and you have, you go fishing or hunting or golfing or whatever, listen, you should be thinking about those that you're hanging out with, their souls, Amen. And so everywhere we go, we should be thinking souls at family gatherings, in the neighborhood, at work, the baseball field, the gym, when you're out and about doing business in the community, everywhere we go is an opportunity to go fishing for souls. This verse is also telling us everyone we meet should be an opportunity to reach someone for Christ. Everyone we meet, every family member, every friend. You see, I think we need to have eyes for eternity. We need to have eyes for eternity. We need to have eyes that can see that everywhere we go, there's lost souls that are going to spend eternity away from Jesus, lest the Lord save them. Amen? I think a main key to soul winning is, is getting in the habit of thinking about people's lost souls. Amen? I mean, there's some people, where's... I don't know if Tony Mouton is here this morning, but Tony Mouton, every time I talk to him, man, I got a soul today. I, I led a soul to Christ today. Everywhere he goes, he thinks souls. And so can I encourage you today? Be ready. And stay ready to reach your soul. Because listen, sometimes it's going to happen whenever you least expect it. I, I, I was thinking about this and uh, this happened to me and and Dustin and Rebecca are sitting right over here. But, you know, I, I, we had a Sunday morning service. We had two services. And so, you know, we had an altar call. People got saved. Man, praise God. Sunday's over. We're done. Tanya and I went and killed the fatted calf or, you know, catfish or chicken, whatever it was. And, and I was bringing her back to the car. And Dustin comes flying in the parking lot. And so, uh, and so we rolled down the window. He rose on his window. He said, Hey, is mass over? Yeah, we had two masses today, but it's over. I said, okay, when's the next one? And then he started asking other questions that I thought were trick questions. And so before I knew it, he was sincere. And so I get out of my car, Tanya went home. And so I said, look, I have a Bible for you and opened up the church, went into the resource center, got him a Bible, gave him a Bible. He started asking questions and, and I got a chance to lead him to Christ right in the resource center, right? Listen. And here they are. They're married. Rebecca came with them, got saved, and now they have a child. They're raising in church. Man, this isn't this great. But it happened in the most likely time. I mean, least likely time. I mean, no, you know, you know, fishing was over. No, fishing is never over. 
Come on, how many of you know fishing is never over? I was thinking about the time that, that, that Jonathan lost his leg right in my, uh, on the front, uh, front road. And then I was thinking, here he is, not sure whether he's going to bleed out or not. But come on. Come on, we can go fishing wherever we are. Go in all the world, everywhere, and to everyone, and preach the good news. Amen? The second way of increasing your odds of catching fish is, number two, fish with the right bait. Come on, I'm, you, know, you know, over the years, I've come to realize bait matters. How many of you know that? When it comes to fishing, bait matters. You know, you could fish all day with the wrong bait and not get a thing. In fact, you know, in the fishing world... It's not uncommon, like, you know, fishing are there and, and, and there's a boat next to you, they're catching fish like crazy and you out there drowning fish or something, you know, and you're like, man, what, what's the deal? They're catching fish. They got the right bait. And if you get the right bait, you can increase your odds of catching fish. And I started learning that when it comes to reaching souls, it's the same way. I'm afraid sometimes we come up empty handed because we're using the wrong bait. Come on, how many of you know you got to use bait that fish are attracted to? And whenever you want to reach lost souls, you got to use bait that lost souls are attracted to. Let me give you some suggestions. Use the attractive bait of grace instead of the bitter bait of legalism. Use the bait of unconditional love instead of the bitter bait of judgmentalism and criticalness. Does that make sense? You see, the contrast of using different baits in soul winning is seen throughout the Gospels. And, and you, you know, Jesus, who is the master soul winner, the bait he used was the attractive bait of grace and unconditional love. That's what he used. Now, the Pharisees, who struggled to reach souls, continually use the bitter bait of judgment, legalism, and criticalness. Does that make sense? Mark chapter 2 and verse 16 says, When the teachers of religious law, who were Pharisees, saw him, Jesus, eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with such scum? Now we get an indication of their attitude. Notice the attitude of the, of the Pharisees towards the lost. They were scum. You're not going to win souls if you think people are scum. Come on, I need a better amen right there. You see, they were critical. They were judgmental. They saw the lost as scum. Come on, how many of you know every soul is valuable? Every life is valuable. Come on. The blue lives matter. The black lives matter. The red lives matter. The yellow lives matter. The white, the short, the dark. It doesn't matter who they are. Every life matters. Come on. I need a better amen. We need to get off of our prejudice high hearts and we need to love souls. Amen. Every life matters. And so the problem was the Pharisees were so worried about what they did or they didn't do that they weren't even thinking about their soul. Notice the attitude of the Pharisees, of their critical and judgmental spirit in verse 17. When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they're sinners. Let me, let me illustrate this one more time, and I'm going to try to illustrate it with not, not doing exactly what I'm 
suggesting we don't do <laughs> and being judgmental. But I, I went uh, to a doctor's appointment with my, with my dad and a family member not long ago. And in the doctor's office, my, the family member that I was with started telling me about, man, the wheels were coming off their financial life. Their transmission in their car went off. Their, their, uh, their, their stove caught on fire. Their AC went out. I mean, they had all these financial pileups. And she was just lamenting and telling me about all the stuff that was going on. And the nurse who knows that I'm a pastor, she was there doing her work. I don't mean to be eavesdropping, but are you tithing? You need to be tithing. That stuff wouldn't be happening if you were tithing. And I said, come, Holy Spirit, come. (laughs) And I began to think, this lady doesn't even know if my family member is a Christian or not. And now tithing is very important. And it plays into the picture. But my goodness. See, what spirit are we operating in? The spirit of legalism and judgmentalism and criticalness or the spirit of grace? Tell you, if you want to catch fish, you got to use the right bait. Do y'all get that? If you got that, say, I got that. Amen. The third way of increasing your odds of catching fish is this. Fish during prime time. How many of you know there's prime time to catch fish? Another key to increasing your chances of fishing is fishing, fishing when they're hungry. Fishing whenever they feel like eating. And so, you know, fish tend to bite during certain times. Like, um, like when you have a strong tidal current. When you have a strong tidal current, bait moves and fish tend to, tend to feed. When the barometric pressure drops, a lot of times you catch more fish right before the storm. And then you go right after the storm, you can't get a bite to save your neck. But the barometric pressure drops and fish get hungry. And when the wind blows out of the west, they said wind out of the east, you catch the least. There, Somebody else knows that. But whenever the wind's out of the west, that's when fish bite best. But see, these are just some things, critical times. So there's, there's certain times that fish are hungry, but there's also certain seasons too. There's seasons. Like, you know, um, the, uh, the spring season, when the water temperature gets warm, they get friskier and they start biting better. Or during spawning season. During spawning season, they get irritated and aggravated. You throw bait by them and they'll just jump all over it and they'll get caught. And so, you know, there are certain seasons which, which, when fish tend to become easier to catch. Now listen, the same is true in fishing for souls. There are certain times and seasons when people become hungrier for the things of God. In Matthew chapter 9, in verse 36, it says, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. Now Jesus is exposing his heart. He's sharing his heart right here when he asked the disciples to pray for the Lord of the harvest to send more workers. But Jesus recognized that this crowd that he was looking at were ripe and ready for harvest. He, rec- he recognized, he saw the crowd as a hungry, as hungry fish that were ready 
to be fed some spiritual food. Are y'all catching this? Now, there's three prime times that people become hungrier for the Lord. And the first one is people are more open during transitions in life. Transitions mean when they move to a new location, when they start a new job and don't know anyone or, or, or nothing about the area, when they are newly married or first-time parents, when they go off to college and have to start a, a new life. You know, and, and I, I know we have some Chi Alpha students here this morning, but Chi Alpha, they, they reach out to the freshmen. Because the freshmen, they, they leave their hometown and they, they don't know anybody. And so they're looking for some friends. And wouldn't it be great if they met some Christian friends that can help them get introduced to Jesus? Amen? But, you know, at work, you know, I have a friend, a pastor friend, you know, whenever he went to plant a church and, and uh, he, you know, when somebody moves into the neighborhood, it's, it's transition time. And so he's, he went knock on their door and said, welcome to the neighborhood. Can I help you with anything? And they said, yeah, can you help us unload this U-Haul trailer? And so Pastor Terry, he's like, oh, my goodness, I know this is a big old U-Haul. And he, he's carrying washers and dryers and he's sweating, you know, and he's like, well, for a soul, for a soul. Bless the Lord, I'm a reacher soul. And they got done, and he's like, thank you so much for the help. Yeah, no problem. Now, now it's time to go fishing. Hey, can I ask you what you're here for? Yeah, I came here to plant a church. <laughs> Sir, did you hear what I said? Pastor Terry's like, I went home depressed. Y'all here to plant a church? I was trying to get you to my church. He was a Christian already. But you know what? Listen. That guy ended up being Pastor Terry's worship leader because the guy that was supposed to come plant the church never came. But transitions, you get the point? Transitions, life transitions tend to make people's hearts more open to the Lord's help in their life. Does that make sense? In fact, if I surveyed this crowd, and those of you that are Christians in here, most of you would tell me you became a Christian because you were you were going through a transition in your life. Or, number two, another time people are open is whenever people are experiencing times of, of tension. Transition or tension. Tension is when people are feeling depressed or discouraged. They lose their job. They're struggling financially. They go through a separation or divorce. They're suffering with grief because they lost a loved one when they struggle with addictions or suffering with physical health issues. You see, many times we, we don't think we need the Lord, but we all go through things in life where, we, listen, no friend can help. You can't go to the grocery store and buy something that'll fix what you're going through. And then people become open to the Lord. How many of you know that's prime time? That's the time to reach out. Life's tensions tend to make people's hearts open to the Lord's help in their life. Another great time to reach out is whenever people are going through tension or transitions. And that's what Jesus saw with the crowd. Notice he said in Matthew 9, 36, he said he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. 
See, Jesus saw that they were going through tra transition and they were going through tension. They were having problems in their life. And listen, listen, gang, every day that we live all around us, we will encounter people that are going through difficult times in life. If we will just ask the Lord for eyes to see and hearts open to understand, the Lord will show us who they are. Amen. Come on, I need a better amen right there. Remember, when people are in transition and tension, they're looking for hope. And if there's one thing that you and I should have as Christians, it's hope. Amen. Come on, Jesus, it's the hope of the world. Amen. It doesn't matter what anybody told them. It, listen, the doctors may say this is it, but like Christy and Neil, the doctor said there's nothing we can do, but their God in heaven said there is something that can be done. Amen. Come on, how many of you know God is a God of hope? And you and I should be people of hope. And when our people are hopeless around us, we need to bring hope to them. Amen. A third, a third time people are more open to spiritual things is people are more open during spiritual holiday seasons. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you know that, but that whenever I got saved, it was during holiday season. And, and you're supposed to be more open to spiritual things, you know, because it's holiday season, spiritual holiday season. I, you know, in Acts chapter 2, if you're familiar with Acts chapter 2, in chapter 2, um, after the day of Pentecost, Peter stood up and preached a sermon to the folks that were gathered, and 3,000 souls were saved with one sermon. How many of you know that's a good sermon right there? I should have just got up here and read that sermon, right? But you know what? Listen, that sermon was preached during the celebration of the spiritual holiday which was the Feast of Pentecost or the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of the Harvest. And at the Feast of Pentecost, what happened was it was celebrated 50 days after the Passover that marked the giving of God's law on Mount Sinai. And, and at the Feast of Pentecost, people from all over that area came and descended on Jerusalem to celebrate the feast. And so, and that's when the Lord chose to send His Spirit and he also chose to allow Peter to stand up in boldness and preach this great sermon. And that day, there were people from, there were Arabs, Cretans, Judeans, Egyptians, Mesopotamians, Libyans, Romans. They were all kinds of people there. And Peter stood up and he preached because everybody was there because they were celebrating a spiritual holiday. And in Acts chapter 2 and 41, it says, those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. That great crowd was around because they were interested in this spiritual holiday. And so the point is people become more interested in spiritual things during holiday season. That's why historically in the church, and, and we could show you, we could show you church attendance over the years. Christmas and Easter is always a higher attended time of year because people become more open. And so that's why we're encouraging you to invite somebody to the Easter service because we believe that souls will be hungrier for the spiritual things of God during that time. Does that make sense? Amen. In Mark chapter 1 and verse 17, it says, Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. The passage we just read, Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. 
man, I want to be one of the workers. What about you? I mean, listen, I'm not no high, you know, I'm not no high, you know, high profile evangelist where, you know, I can preach the paint off the wall, but I could love on somebody. Come on, I can love. Can't you love on somebody? Can't you just smile and be nice? Amen. How many of you know you can reach souls if you just be nice and just act like Jesus? Amen. Jesus said, I'm going to make you fisher of men. How many of you, how many of you want to be a fisher of men? Amen. Come on. I just want to encourage you. Write some names on this card. Show up this week, the next three days, and let's pray. And let's ask God. Let's ask God to give us some souls. Amen. And listen, we're not going to stop for Easter Sunday, but right now we're just going to focus in on that, and we're going to ask God to use us. What about if everybody in this room reached one soul? Come on, just think about that. If everybody in this room could reach one soul this year, how many of you know that would be awesome, man? Amen? I believe we can do it. What about you? I believe we can do it. Can we do it, gang? Come on, the right answer is yes, we can do it. Can we do it, gang? Amen. There we go. Why don't you do me a favor and let's stand this morning. Why does the Lord want us to become fishers of men? How many of you know he loves everybody? He loves everybody. He loves all of us. He loves every person. The person that irritates us the most at work. The Lord loves them. Amen. The person that keeps throwing stuff in our, our neighbor that throws stuff in our yard. The Lord loves them. Amen. Come on. How many of you know the Lord loves everybody and he wants everybody? Listen, the Bible says in 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some count slackness, but is long suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that it all should come to real. He don't want anybody left out. Do you just do me a favor and just bow your head with me for a moment? You know, I've been talking about fishing for souls and soul winning. Every soul is valuable to God. Every one of us have a soul. And every one of us need two births, a spiritual birth, a natural birth, and a spiritual birth. The fact that you're standing up here in this building, you've already had your natural birth. But everybody needs a spiritual birth. Jesus said you got to be born again. And if you're here today and you've, you could say, Todd, I've never been born again. I've never asked the Lord to forgive my sins, and, and, but I want my soul to be saved. Would you pray for me today? Would you just do me a favor and just boldly and courageously just lift up your hand and say, pray a prayer for me. Thank you, sir. Anybody else? Just raise your hand right here. Thank you, ma'am. Anywhere else, just raise your hand. Raise your hand and say, pray for me. I want to be right over here. Just raise your hand and say, right over here, sir. Just raise your hand and say, listen, don't be ashamed. There you go. Don't be bashful. This is the greatest day of your life. Be excited about it. Be encouraged. Go for the goal. Amen. Now listen, let's pray together. We're all going to pray together, but just mean it from your heart. Just say this. Say, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and that I need my sins forgiven. Lord, I'm asking you to forgive me. I'm asking you to save me. Lord, I want to be a Christian. I need my soul saved. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. I want to be your child. I want to live the Christian life. Help me to live that way. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yes. Amen.
Now listen, this is no small thing. Those of you, listen, those of you that raised your hand and prayed that prayer, this is no small thing. The Bible says to as many as receive them to them, he gave the right to become children of God. And when you die, you get to spend eternity with Jesus. Amen. You bypass hell and you go to heaven. Amen. Come on. How many of you believe that's awesome? Amen. So if you pray that prayer in your pew, there's a card. Uh, I made a decision. Fill that out. Bring it to the lobby. Bring it to somebody up here. We got some uh, a Bible for you, a gift for you. We just want to give you some tools to help you get started. Welcome to the family of God. Amen. Come on, let's pray and, and let's go be the salt and light of Jesus out in the world. Father, I pray the favor of God, the blessing of the Lord, the grace of God over us today. In the mighty and strong name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody that agreed said... If you need prayer for anything, we'll be up here. If not, God bless you. Have a wonderful day, and we'll see you Easter Sunday.